Hi, I'm Larry Woodard, and this is Admire. I have conversations with outstanding guests from business, sports, entertainment, and education. Today, I'm joined by entrepreneur, media personality, writer, and speaker, Brandon Steiner. Brandon's a lifelong innovator. He founded Steiner Sports Marketing, a firm that revolutionized the signed memorabilia business. He's the author of three books, a frequent speaker, an on-air personality, a voracious blogger, and has recently launched the Collectible Exchange, an online community for autographed and game-used memorabilia. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Hello, Larry. It's good to be here. Nice to hear your voice. It's always uplifting. You've always got a positive spin. and So just, I'm, I'm enjoying your pod, and uh, thanks for having me. So uh, let me start out by asking a question I've been asking founders and CEOs from the beginning of my career. When you started out, what career did you have in mind, and how in the world did you end up in the business that you ended up in? Well, very simple. I mean, that's an easy answer. I mean, I was a, I was just a fanatical entrepreneur, first of all, and I loved the hotel restaurant business. I, I started in the kitchen, and there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to own a whole bunch of restaurants. Um, I was a hospitality guy. I loved serving people. I loved the creativity. I, I loved baking. I loved cooking. And, um, you know, I worked for Hyatt Hotels at the beginning, right out of college, which was my dream job. And then I went on to get kind of a lottery-type job, opening up the first hard rock in New York City. And then it went on to do a whole bunch of different things with restaurants, which led to me to the sports bar business. There was a transition. I had no idea uh, about your early hospitality uh, experience. I was, uh, my sister-in-law lives in Baltimore, and I was in Baltimore at the Hyatt um, in the Inner Harbor uh, uh, two times uh, earlier this year. It was year. the first hotel in that harbor. There was nothing else. Literally, was standing alone. <laughs> it's uh, it's beautiful now, and it's a beautiful great place hotel. to be, especially in the summer. I uh, I love staying there and then walking over and catching a ball game. It's a it's a great uh, great town, a great place to be. It's yeah. crazy because you just don't know where your things are going to take you. Because yeah. I just couldn't get a job coming out of college, and you know I cooked all through college and I cooked through high school. You just don't know what's going to happen, and I, and I by luck I just get this job in Baltimore for the Greater Baltimore Medical Center. Uh, as a dietary, you know, doing accounting, I had accounting degree, which is really how far off the pace I was. Hmm. And I had the hospitality, and it was for somebody to work in the, in the accounting area in the dietary department. So I worked there for a little while, and then uh, sure enough, a Hyatt Hotel opened, which is my dream job, and I got the last management position. So it was just crazy how that all worked out for me. And then, um, you know, the Hyatt was one of the most successful Hyatt openings in the, in the company's history. It was a 90% occupancy, the restaurant was packed. So I was like a trainee and I was just running around all the different areas helping. So it was just a tremendous experience. Uh, I call it, I call the Hyatt uh, experience for me. It was two and a half years of grad school. It's amazing. Uh, so you, you, you get from Hyatt, you get back up to, to, to New York. Uh, uh, talk about sort of the genesis of, uh, of, of Steiner Sports. I mean, Steiner happened just because you know, I, I I was in the hospitality business and, and we were doing these, these sports bars. I'd opened up at one of the first sports bars in New York and this was back in 1984. And a bunch of my friends said, hey, you know, we're going to open up a, a thing called like a sports marketing agency. You know, there wasn't a lot of those at the time. So when I went home and told my wife I was going to maybe leave the restaurant business to try this new marketing company, she said, well, if you're going to do it, let's do it now. And when I showed up for work that day, partner up my, my, my partner said there wasn't room for a partnership for me <laughs> that they were kind of going to do their own thing and just was too many people in the partnership so but I could have that corner office over there for 400 a month 
And I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. So I, I, I said, okay, I'll just open up a company called Steiner. And uh, I was doing some PR, a little marketing. And, and then about a month later, they left and said, listen, we're leaving. We're going to move into a new office. I said, where are we going? He said, no, we're going. Uh-huh. We'll call you in a few weeks. And if we have enough room, you can come and work with us. And they never called. So meanwhile, they left the phones on. So I used to just pick up the phone and I started getting these sports marketing requests. Haphazardly, and I started filling them. That's how I started Steiner Sports. It's a great story. I mean, you know, so many of us, uh, you know, it's sort of we fail forward. But uh, but that's that's a particularly great story when you talk about how far you, you took the company and, and sort of the innovations uh, you've done. I think that everything really, a lot of times, a lot of the best things that happen, you certainly have to have, happen after some really bad stuff. <laughs> and uh, certainly hoping that's the case of the environment we're in now. But, you know, it's true when you look back and you think about some of the best things that's happened to you, they often do come after a really, you know, horrific or a bad thing happened to you. So sometimes the, be- the worst things that happen to you do lead to some of the best. Absolutely. One of the things that I, I really want to do uh, throughout the life of this podcast is, 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 is have people really get some, some wisdom from people who have, um, have been up close and personal with some of the, the, the major events of, of our times and some of the major sports personalities. And uh, certainly uh, you've been uh, in, in close proximity to a lot of our sports heroes. Uh, I'm sure you have an interesting story or two. Uh, can you share a humorous story about uh, about one of the athletes you've worked with? Oh, so many. Uh, God, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll give you one one good story that I talk about is, you know, um, I don't know if you remember when Mariana Rivera um, tore his ACL out in center field in Kansas City. Absolutely. And I was watching the news and I turned, turned to my wife and said, this is going to be a dramatic change for our summer right now. And she said, why? I said, we've never had Mariano not play for summer and be available to do stuff. I said, in, a, in about a month or two, he's going to want to work. He's going to be bored. So anyway, I, uh, about a month later, six weeks later, I get a call from Mariana. Please come over to my house right now. I can panic. So, you know, my office is only about 10 minutes from his house. I go over to his house. I said, what's wrong? He says, come, come in. Uh, and the whole house is in a panic, and he's in a complete panic just completely flipping out. And Mariana, for the last two years prior, was always complaining to me, or at least, you know, concerned about he wanting to retire, spend more time with his family. You know, he had a long career. He was, you know, contemplating maybe hanging it up. And he was always going back and forth and a little whiny about it, frankly. And sure enough, I go into the house and he goes, Brand, I got a real problem. I go, what's the problem? He goes, they want to operate on my knee. I said, Mariana, you have an ACL tear. You have to get operated on. He goes, no, I've been working out every day, which is, by the way, what you do when you get an ACL. If you do work out really a bunch, it actually lessens uh, the the operation, makes it a lot easier. So I said, Mariana, of course they have to operate. He goes, yeah, but look at me. I can actually push off my leg. I think I can pitch. I don't want to let my teammates down. I think I could maybe come back in September and help my teammates for a September playoff run just show you the level of commitment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I turned to him and I said Mariano for the last two years you've been complaining every time you're in my office about maybe retiring maybe hanging it up you're a God-fearing man and to me this is an answer from God that says listen rather than ending your career not sure if you ended it too short or stayed too long God's giving you an opportunity to take a break see what a summer is like without baseball a summer home with your family 
meeting the mailman, going to the supermarket, barbecuing. And if you like it, you don't have to go back to play baseball. If you miss baseball, well, then you have an opportunity to go back and still play. I said, what a tremendous gift that God gave you. And I think, you know, the lesson there, it's interesting, like, the interesting thing is a lot of times, you know, the, the wishes that you make come in interesting packages. They don't always come exactly the way you want. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a tremendous divine intervention story that I, I feel like I've learned a lot from a lot of different people in Mariana. That was one of them. Um, there's so many different stories with some of the athletes, but I'll give you one other one real quick, and that's with Walter Payton. I was in New Orleans with him for a weekend uh, for a pharmaceutical company. And I'm down in the lobby. I'm looking for him because we got to go over to the convention center and I can't find him. Finally, I asked the bellman if they've seen Walt. He says, yeah, he's in the kitchen signing autographs. So what? So I go into the kitchen. He's signing autographs. I said, Walt, we got to go over to the convention center. And so we walk out of the kitchen. He says, Brandon, never forget. You can't afford to forget everyone. When I'm out in public, even though I'm a celebrity and people know me, I'm available to everyone. I don't pick and choose. And you can't forget about the people behind the scenes. You know, treat everybody great. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And I know that by going in that kitchen, which nobody ever gives them any love, and spending 15 minutes probably made their day or week. That was a really valuable lesson for me to really understand that, you know, you can't, because a lot of times we, we just focus in on the people that we think is important and, and we kind of front run a little bit and you can't forget all the people. And I think the experience we're going through now in this day and age, you know, obviously nurses now are critical, person working in the grocery store, person delivering your food. So it's just so important to be nice to everyone as often as you can to be kind. And I think that was a very valuable lesson. Very valuable and very timely really for uh, for where we are right now. Yeah, look, there's so much we could talk about, uh, but I like <laughs> I can tell you a hundred stories because, uh, you know, these athletes, you know, when, when, when they get to such a high level, it just really expedites and, and, and accentuates who you really are. Success and making a lot of money just really broadcasts and highlights the kind of person you really are. And I think that a lot of people that are striving to be successful and extraordinary and successful in business and making a lot of money, you know, understand that the money is one thing, but the kind of person you are is a far more important thing. And it, they both things should be moving up lateral, you know, parallel. You want your success monetarily or capitalistically, which is okay to do the money grab to keep rising. But you, you as a quality person needs to rise right alongside of it. That That's an excellent segue into something that I really wanted to talk about with you. Um, I'd like to concentrate really on one aspect of Brandon Steiner that I've witnessed as a consistent theme as I've observed you over the past 30 or so years. A lot of people don't know that uh, we went to the same college or around the same time, and then I certainly became aware of you for um, at least 30 plus years ago. And that is how you've consistently found ways to give back and to educate and to pay it forward. Why is that so important to you? Um. I think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily important to me as much as I think it's. I think it's. I think it's what you do. I always say, you know, helping people is not. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. You know, that leads you to sheer joy. I mean, I do it because I, I get a lot of joy out of it. It's really enjoyable. I think. I think a lot of people miss that, and, and they don't give back or do a lot to the lot much older, but so they have way way too much more than what they need. But I think giving back is sheer joy. I mean, you get a lot of joy out of it and it's probably the most fun thing that I do. You know what I mean? 
is to be able to influence uh, and be able to help others that need help or help situations that, that are not on track and doing right. So I think that's more the motivation. I think I think that people get confused a little bit about their obligation to, 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 to do more for the community or do more for different charities or help. But, and whether you broadcast, whether you do that or not, I mean, I have an obligation to my company to do good and my community to do good. But that's what every company should do. But the stuff I do as a person, as an individual above and beyond that is really uh, not a burden. It, it just leaves me a sheer joy. It's, it's phenomenal. And I think that, I think in every religion that you, that you may believe in, it, it all talks about, you know, giving back and giving and helping. And I don't think we're on this planet, Larry, because to fill our pockets and, and, and just do everything we can for ourselves. I think we're here, we're humans to help each other. I think, you know, we're here to support each other, love each other. That's that's how I think this thing's set up. That's what makes us unique as opposed to the other thousands of other uh, animals and species on the planet, you know, is that we have the ability to, to grow and do more for each other and for ourselves, which is special, and you got to take advantage of it. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you, and and I will say to the listening, um, you know, audience that um, uh, you have a tremendous blog, and uh, as it's developed, uh, I call you behind your back the philosopher king because um, you say so many good things. I read it every morning. As a matter of fact, this well, morning's you. was was awesome. And uh, one of the things that you also do is that you have a song of the day, and uh, and I did uh, cue up the song from this morning, which I which I loved as a kid. Thank you for that. Took me down memory lane. Um, I try to mix it up on my music, you know, uh, just because, you know, sometimes it's timely to the blog and then sometimes it's just like, you know, hey, lighten up a little bit. You know, you got to have, I try to listen to uh, my music when I work out every morning. That's my lift that I've learned to do. And so I get my music in there. But otherwise, as you get older, you get busy. You don't get, you don't have enough time to listen to your music sometimes, but you get in the car, you're on the phone, right? You get to the office, you're busy. So uh, I, I I have my music very manicured and queued up for when I work out every morning. Yeah, that's great. So you and I, along with David Falk and others, uh, helped develop yep. and launch the Sport Management School at Syracuse University. Uh, we're living through one of the most challenging times of our generation. What advice do you have for young people trying to start their careers as we're dealing with this pandemic? Well, my advice right now is to stay home, but the, I think the, in the big picture, um, again, getting back to, you know, with some of the worst things that happened to us do lead to some of the best things. And I think you got to be, I know it's going to sound crazy, but this is an opportunity. I mean, especially entrepreneurial. I mean, there's going to be so much white space. I would say, you know, find the white space. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds crazy because I spent half my day being a little bummed and I have a lot of anxiety, so I'm not going to lie that I'm like this above it all person, but I'm not. I mean, this is, this is a really difficult time for everyone. That's the most important thing you got to remember. But you got to be able to, if you want to be a true entrepreneur and a business person, you got to be able to look past this. So what's going to happen in two months? Maybe nothing. What's going to happen in three or four months? What's this going to look like? Uh, and how can you play a role conserving and solving a potential problem that's going to be around this summer. How do you play a role? That's the whole key to entrepreneurs in serving and solving. So 
if you can lift yourself for a couple hours, even if it's just a, a, just a complete two-hour daydream, what does that look like? And what do you think you're going to need? Or what do you think masses of people are going to need in three or four months when this thing passes and we get a handle on this thing? Because at some point, we're going to get a handle on this. It's not going to end, uh, end the world here. So what does that look like? And, and if you could be patient and dream and scheme and just take out some white pieces of paper and just start thinking about the kind of help that people are going to need, it could be a tremendous, now it may not everything click right into gear right away, but there could be some tremendous opportunities coming out of this uh, catastrophe uh, that we're all in. And that's kind of where my head goes. I mean, you know, I spend a, a few hours a day just trying to figure out where the white space is going to be so I can prepare. And otherwise I'm sitting home all day, bumming out, tripping out about all this stuff that's going on. Instead of trying to get optimistic that when this thing gets resolved, I'm going to go out blazing figuring out how I could do something that's going to solve or serve people in a way that's going to be productive and maybe I can make a few bucks. I think that that's, um, that, that's a perfect perspective. Um, I recently had uh, Dr. Jen Welter, uh, the first um, female coach in the NFL on my show. Yep, and, love her. Uh, yeah, she was talking about being a kid and uh, how her father, who had some army experience, used to talk to her. And she was talking about when she was 14, she caught her first marlin. And um, she was wrestling with the fish and she's looking to her dad, maybe sort of looking for some help. And he looked back at her and he said, look, the fish doesn't know if you're a girl or a boy. You, you know, you just got to get it in the boat. And, uh, and, and I love that because the fact of the matter is that this crisis isn't really an economic crisis or a political unrest or a movement, uh, a moment of corporate reflection. It's really all of those things. But more than that, it's an individual thing. And so people are having to deal with it themselves. People are finding out at home that they don't really have a relationship with their kids or their spouses. They're, they're, they're going crazy. Um, they're having a hard time putting this into perspective. Um, so you've talked a little bit about that, but I want to delve a little bit deeper into that. What do people do to get this whole to get their arms around it, to, to get themselves um, some perspective on, on what we're going through? Well, first of all, you know, just one more thing on that last thing was that, you know, you talk about, you know, what would you do if it was the last day of the rest of your life? You know, you got to start going back to when you're a kid and start thinking about what the first day of the rest of your life is. Because yeah. a lot of us going to get a clean slate coming up in a lot of ways and you should prepare for that. I think in this environment that we're in now is, you know, listen, I think life is difficult, Larry. Um, and people have to remember that life is difficult and, and it doesn't escape any of us no matter how much money you have or whatever you have. So the minute you start absorbing and agreeing and understanding that life is going to be difficult, when difficulty in life appears, it'll be a lot easier for you to deal with. These things are going to happen. You know, death, uh, tragedy, getting fired, uh, divorce. Life's, life's, life's tough. So that that's the first thing is you know is to really just come to grips with like life is difficult. It's not a, it's not cherries and whipped cream here. You know it's it's hard, and this is another hard phase, and it won't be the last hard phase that, that you're going to go into. I think the other thing is it's just a very important some exercising, um, really really critical because we all have anxiety. We have a lot of energy getting pent up, and it's got to go somewhere. And what you don't want to do is get yourself. Uh, into you know a mental tiz or just physically start really feeling bad. So being able to work off some of that anxiety, I think, is important. And given that we all have a little more time, it's, I generally try to work out every day, but a lot of people don't. It's hard to get into that rhythm, but you got to push yourself and force yourself. So when you come out of this, you're not unhealthy physically, at least. I think we're all going to come out of this a little mentally screwed up, 
some degree. But I think at least physically, you don't want to uh, let yourself kind of just sit on the couch, watch TV, eat potato chips all day. So I think it's really critical to get some form of cardio in and some exercise in every day uh, just to work off some of that anxiety and some of that over, over energy that you have that you don't know what to do with. Um, and then the third thing is, you know, try to be positive. Try not to watch the news too, too much because it's not positive and it's difficult. So I really try now to limit myself how much of the news I'm going to watch. Uh, and again, I don't want to be, there's some tragic things happening. And I don't want to be blind to it. But, you know, if you, if you spend too much time watching it, it's pretty consuming and it can get you really depressed. So, you know, I'm trying to find some different things to do. And uh, obviously we're all in that, in that quandary. And, you know, a few prayers, I think, is uh, not a bad idea, too. Uh, you know, praying. And I've always, I think that having faith, I've been writing a lot about this in my blogs. I think mm-hmm. that faith is critical. Um, and, and one of the big things I've learned about faith is, you know, faith is about believing in something even though you can't see it. So there's a good time to increase your level to turn the volume up of your faith. Um, and that's, 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 that's kind of what I'm trying to do to keep myself sane. Oh, look, I think that that's an excellent recipe. You know, I'm a military brat and, uh, and I watched, um, you know, my dad and, and fellow soldiers, um, either be able to or not be able to deal with, um, some of the stuff that they had to, to go through, um, you know, fighting in wars or being in remote tours away from their families and the guys who couldn't let it go and the guys who were sort of obsessive were the people who it treated the worst and, and guys who really were able to live in the moment and uh, and to find ways to compartmentalize. Um, and, you know, exercise was a big part of it for my dad, I know, um, were people who did better. Um, look, uh, in terms of, of, of wrapping this up, I, I do want to give you a chance to talk about um, – uh, the Collectible Exchange, which you've uh, launched, this online community for autograph and game use memorabilia. Uh, how's that going, and uh, what are you doing differently uh, in this period of time that we're in? Well, the, the, the Collectible Exchange, we're actually doing an auction now for uh, to help the, um, you know, basically there's a, there's a fund out there to help feed people and to help get extra supplies. So we're doing an auction where all the money goes to that on cxstuff.com. Uh, but the collectible exchange is, is an opportunity if people have collectibles, they can go on there and sell their stuff. It's a form of eBay. It's, a, I think, a better version to, to do more protection. There's options for people to get their stuff authenticated and to understand what the value is of their stuff. So it's a little more of an open-ended website that I've created so people can kind of basically buy, trade, um, sell their stuff and that kind of thing. And there's, there's an auction component to buy it now and really that simple so I thought the collectibles on eBay wasn't doing well it wasn't a site that people felt really safe on and mm-hmm. there's a site that we were managing and manicuring all the time so that people can go on and sell their stuff there's a lot of collectibles out there so that's that company and the signer agency is the thing we've been doing for a long time which is you know marketing and helping uh, companies procure athletes you know we've been doing that since 1987 so uh, those, are, those are the two companies and we just work with a bunch of companies, help them find the right athletes to help them drive their business or become partners or board members or whatever else. And that company is in Manhattan. And the collectible exchange is in Yonkers. And that website is a work in progress, man. I'm, I just uh, launched that in, in December. So right in the middle of the beginning stages of that. Not easy. Now, uh, entrepreneurship never is, but it, it certainly is rewarding. Uh Look, I've uh, really enjoyed having you on today. Thanks for your time, your wisdom, and your insights. Any parting thoughts? 
No, I just keep keep your faith up high, and uh, you know I answer all my questions. You know, if you go, you know, follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook or BrandonSteiner dot com. And thanks, Larry, for having me. And uh, hope everybody out there stays safe and stay healthy. Love it, uh, Brandon Steiner. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thank you.